Hi, and welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast, the place for all things kids yoga. My name is Jessica Mujis, and after teaching kids yoga for over a decade and being immersed in the industry, I created this podcast as a warm and supportive place for parents, teachers, caregivers, and kids yoga professionals to gather. Episodes include conversations with kids yoga teachers, business owners, and authors, child development experts, informational episodes on specific kids yoga topics, yoga adventures for children, and even the voices of children themselves. It is my hope that you can come here each week and gain inspiration and form connection with your fellow kids yoga community. Welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome back to the Kids Yoga Podcast. My name is Jessica, and before I dive into this week's episode, which was a wonderful conversation with Lonnie Rosen Gallagher of Full of Joy Yoga, just wanted to make an announcement. Um, I want to be honest with you today. I've been trying really hard to keep this podcast going and to keep the momentum and release weekly episodes. I persisted because you mean so much to me. This community and spreading kids yoga and mindfulness around the globe is truly a dream come true. However, it's become clear to me that in order to be kind to myself in this season of my life, I need to take a break. Adjusting to life with three kids has been extremely intense. And while at the beginning, I felt like I could power through and keep the momentum of this podcast going, I've realized my heart has been screaming out to take a breather. Two things can be true at once. I love my children with my whole heart and soul, and I often feel like I'm drowning in the daily tasks of being a stay-at-home mom. Some days it's hard for me to even find time to brush my teeth, let alone record, edit, and promote new episodes of this podcast. I want to practice what I preach about self-kindness, being authentic, and being in the moment, and honor what my heart is telling me. I hope I can take a break and care for myself and my family, and I hope you'll all still be here when I come back. I know this may all sound dramatic, but seriously, this work means more to me than you'll ever know. It's not easy for me to admit I can't keep going right now. Promise you I'll be back when I'm no longer constantly treading water, nearly drowning every day. I'll be back once I'm starting to float a bit again. Today I release the pressure to power through. It's definitely time for a true break. Love you all. Now on to the show. This week I'm joined by Lonnie Rosen Gallagher. Recognizing that children need balance and focus in their lives, Lonnie first incorporated yoga into her daily schedule while teaching first grade in Coney Island, Brooklyn back in the late 90s. Wanting to deepen her own practice, she received her 200-hour certification. Then, building on her extensive experience with young children, she went on to be certified by Next Generation Yoga in New York City and in Kenya, the Radiant Child Yoga Program, Street Yoga, Circus Yoga, Baby Om, Mindful Schools Teacher Trainings, and United We Om, which focuses on training for under-resourced and trauma-impacted communities. In 2003, Lonnie headed cross-country to San Francisco, and a year later founded and created Full of Joy Yoga. In 2007, she relocated to Connecticut, bringing her expertise to the East Coast. She discovered after having her own child, Zephyr, who is now 10, that family yoga was one of her favorite classes to teach. 
Training others to teach yoga to kids is one of her passions as she realizes she can reach many more children by sharing her skills and talents with other instructors. These last two years of the pandemic, Lani has been teaching outdoor yoga in preschools in all kinds of weather, think Snoga, and remotely in New Haven's public schools, all of which feels like a gift during the uncertainty of these times. Most recently, Lani published a book called Yoga Games for Kids, and will soon have videos to accompany the book's games on her YouTube channel. Lani is always striving to improve the lives and futures of children and to help them laugh, love, and grow. Okay, Lani, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. It's been a long yeah, time we, coming. <laughs> I know. I was going to, just for context for everyone listening, we've been trying to record together for a long time. And there have been many um, hiccups, but we made it. We're here. Yay. <laughs> Finally connecting. Um, so let's chat. I want to learn about you and where yoga started for you. So when did you first start practicing yoga and how did it impact you? It's, you know, and it's so funny that this conversation is actually happening right now because I was reminded recently of how yoga started for me um, when, so I went to college in Miami and at University of Miami, and I had very good self-esteem up until I went to college. And then four years in Miami was really tough. I'm very short. I just never felt like I fit in. I mean, I had a lot of friends, but Miami's like, a big city of everything, like very tall models, like beauty, like just this whole external way of being in. And I struggled with that. And I had a good time there, but I know that like, I was like in the process of trying to find myself and figure myself out. And I was very into exercise, but I wasn't into yoga yet. Like I did a lot of like step classes because it was like the early nineties, late eighties at that time. Mm -hmm. And And eventually I then moved to Boston and I was with friends and I left Miami. I went to Boston. Um, I'm from New Jersey. So I came back up East and I knew that I needed to figure out what am I doing with my life? Um, I decided I wanted to be a teacher and I started teaching in a preschool and I actually started therapy because I was really like just struggling with like who I was and what was going on for myself. And and why this came up for me recently is because I was just in Miami or just in mm. Florida visiting and I was with college friends and we were like kind of chatting about it about that time. So um, I, I, I decided to my therapy, I went to therapy and my therapist was like, maybe you should try yoga. That might be really good for you. And I didn't really know anybody doing yoga, but I found some DVDs and I feel like other people had said this at that time. Like I was doing Rodney Yee. Yes. Doing, that's the one. We always like hear. Probably one of the only DVDs at the time or something or VHS. I mean, I think they weren't even DVDs. Yeah. It might've been VHS. It was VHS. <laughs> so I started doing Rodney Yee. And what's so funny is like, I loved it. And he was very Iyengar, like he, you know, very, you know, just about the form and alignment. And, and later on, I went to yoga, a yoga journal conference where I did take like one of his workshops. And to me, he was like this rock star yogi. And I just didn't really like him as a person after I took that workshop. I'm like, Oh, I I took one of his workshops. (laughs) It's so funny how you like, like I was doing the same DVD over and over again. And then I started teaching in this preschool in Boston and one of the moms of one of my kids, one of my students was a yoga teacher and she invited me to come to one of her classes. And that was it. I was like hooked and, and it became like, just, you know, like 
yeah, I just knew it was like just the, the thing for me. And at that time, it was when I started like really figuring out how to not eat fat free and take care of my body and like, you know, eat well, whole foods. Like I really went through a whole transformation during that mid twenties period where a lot of people, you know, go through that transformation of who are you as a person and, you know, what do you want from your life? And yoga really impacted me at that time. And, um, I was all in. Mm. And so then when did you go from having your own practice to then deciding that you wanted to bring it to children? Was it while you were teaching in the preschool or? So not at that point, but then when I, I went to graduate school, I got my master's in early childhood education at Lesley University in Cambridge. And it was really funny. Like I couldn't get a job in Cambridge or Boston or you know, Brookline public schools. It was like really hard for some reason, very competitive at that time. So um, uh, my my brother's friend's father was a principal at a school in Coney Island in Brooklyn and he needed a first grade teacher. So I was like, all right, I'm moving to Brooklyn. And I would, and I'm from Brooklyn. Originally my parents are from Brooklyn. So I, my parents were like, wow, you're going back to Brooklyn, like back to our roots. And so, mm-hmm. and it was a great place at that time too. Like I went, I moved to Park Slope before, you know, even anything was built up in Park Slope. Yes. And it was a very cool place to be. And I was teaching in Coney Island and I did that for five years and it was the late nineties, early aughts, I guess you call it. And um, I just started doing yoga with my students in the classroom because it was, I was teaching in a very underserved community, very at risk. And this is what's different now too, is like, I was teaching first grade. I did not have a para in my class. I had like 22 kids. And I'd say in first grade, maybe five or six of them were all being evaluated for special needs, but because they didn't have an IEP set up yet, they couldn't give me a para, but there was always like a huge handful of kids who had something going on. And as one teacher in a classroom, it was impossible. I I mean, I spent those five years I learned how to discipline. I learned how to talk to kids. I learned how to engage with kids. I learned how to get kids to listen. I was an okay, like, you know, teacher, like being a teacher was one thing, like teaching like the actual, you know, lessons, but like figuring out how to teach was like those five years. I cried a lot, very challenging, but I knew, but I started bringing the yoga in and that was when it happened. And I was like, you know what? these kids are now actually able to focus and sit for five more minutes. If I get them up doing warrior poses or a lion's breath and it was working. And I'm like, this is amazing. I love teaching them. And I would have a center for yoga in my classroom and nobody else was doing this that I knew it was like 2000 and the kids would use my books that I had these early yoga books that I found. And the kids would do yoga in the class in, in that corner. There was like one card deck it was a really like primitive looking card deck. Yoga pretzels didn't come out till a little bit later, which was mm-hmm. one of my favorites, but very basic. And the kids would take it upon themselves. They pretend to be me. They did the yoga. It was, it was fabulous. And it was just, I saw something in that. And then at that point, I got my 200 hour in Nosara in Costa Rica. And I, I was single and living in New York. I was able to go and do a, a month. Who can do that? Yeah. Days, right? yeah. <laughs> so, so I did a month in Costa Rica, interdisciplinary. I loved it. It was wonderful. But I taught one adult class when I came back at a studio in Brooklyn where I was practicing. And I'm like, mm, nope, not for me. This is not my jam. I knew it was, I had to teach kids. And so I started like figuring out like who out there is teaching kids yoga? Somebody must be. 
So I did Radiant Child. So Shaka Corcalso was doing like a workshop at a studio in Freehold, New Jersey, right near where my parents live, where I grew up. It was my mom's friend's studio. And she's like, you should come take this workshop. And that was it. I learned fly like a butterfly. And I still Classic. sing that <laughs> over 20 years later. And I'm still singing fly like they a butterfly. They love and, it. They yeah, love it. <laughs> so, wow. So then, so you did that workshop. And then when did you decide to start your own business to start full of joy yoga? Did that come later on when, yeah, when you so started then, teaching more? <laughs> So yeah, so after five years teaching in Brooklyn, I'm like, so what ended up happening is I met who was going to be my future husband, Chris, like we met each other, we both love the band Fish, we follow Fish around, that's how we met. And we kind of like, he was moving to San Francisco, and I was like, looking for a change. I'm like, I don't really want to live here in Brooklyn anymore. Like I'm ready. I was almost going to move to Spain and teach. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to move with you to San Francisco. So I took, I ended up that summer. I took Jody Commodore's, you know, you know, next yes. generation yoga. I took her training and I was one of her first teacher trainings. It was probably like in her third group or whatever that she ever did in her new studio in New York city. And I took that training in 2001, I believe, or 2002, I think it was. So 20 years ago, and that was it. And then I moved to San Francisco with Chris. And um, I this was crazy, actually. I got an email, and I still have no idea who it was from. I got an email from this guy who said, somebody told me you're a kid's yoga teacher. We're looking for a kid's yoga teacher in our preschool in San Francisco. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm moving to San Francisco. He's like, I know. That's why I'm asking you. And so I had a job. I moved there with a job teaching in a preschool. I didn't make that much money. but I got my teaching kids yoga education because I just had kids all day, like five at a time in a closet all day that I would just like practice how to yeah. teach kids yoga. Yeah. Oh, that's, that I mean, that's, I'm like, yeah. that's the best way to learn is to actually just dive in. And it's funny. You said a closet, like we've all been in that situation. They're yes. like, here you go. Here's a hallway. You're going to yeah. teach here. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll make this work. Exactly. So I like had my own little yoga closet and I would bring five kids in at a time and we would do all kinds of stuff. And, and I'm like, you know what, this is, this is great. This is what I want to do. And so that's, and I was wearing like a shirt. It said full of joy on it. And my husband was like, that would be a great name for your business. Yes. And so that's, that happened in 2004. And I was still determined to get kids yoga, like in the classroom, in the school day, the way I was doing it, but nobody would give up, you you know, it's time Mm -hmm. and money. Those are the two things that's classroom, like schools, principals, like they don't have the money and they don't want to give up the time for something like that. Even in San Francisco, nobody else was really teaching kids yoga in San Francisco either. At that time, I was one of the first. And I did it in preschools and after school programs. So easy to get those kind of jobs. I taught, I was right. able to teach full time, doing my stuff. And then a friend of mine and I, we like created a kids yoga teacher training at that time too. It was like eight week, eight hours. It was, it was short enough, but enough like to teach other people to start doing it. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you've been in this 20 years now. <laughs> so I feel like even more because I was doing it in the classroom too. Right. Yeah. So more than 20 years you've been doing this work. I've asked a n- number of people how they've seen the industry change, but I'm more curious with you. Like, how do you think you personally have changed 
within your teaching and even just in, I wonder how it impacts you just as a person. Do you see an evolution with, with your work over the last over two decades? Oh my God. It's so funny because I've done a lot of work throughout the years, like with Jodi Kamatora, like she was my mentor and I like went even did the, the Africa yoga project with her in Kenya, which is a whole other thing. But mm-hmm. um, I've done a lot and she had the Tabaki, which is the biz of kids yoga, which I also yeah. like helped facilitate. Like I did a lot of stuff. So I was in and out of different, like I dabbled with like different pieces of the kids yoga business, like with her, without her too, but also like kind of figure out like, what is my, like, I was very, I spread very thin for a really long time where I would teach everything, everywhere, anybody who asked. And then I'm like, oh, I can't do this because how do you even have like, how do you market yourself? Because the marketing piece, like I'm always, this is something I've always been a one woman show, like from the very beginning. And I've never had anybody work for me. I've had teachers be independent contractors for me but not like a, like a, an assistant or anybody who like, and I, for years, I'm always like, I need an assistant. Like I've always like had this longing for like to grow. And then I would come to this conclusion, like, but if I really wanted to grow, I would have grown or I would. And I just never have. And I've kind of enjoyed just having that control. And I had a partner for a little while, um, Jen Beyer, from Yoga Yoga for Kids, we had met at one of the yoga conferences and like through through like Tabaki and we ended up doing working on my mindful yoga breaks curriculum, which is a whole other side of like what I had created at one point in time, which I'm still doing. And we worked together and that was great. And we like kind of shared it. And that gave me a little foray into like how to share what I created with somebody else and form like a partnership and all of that. And then we went our separate way. We're still really good friends, but she, she decided she had other things going on and we just stopped working together. And now I'm all by myself, but again, which is great. But I think I've like been up and down through this business of like, how much have I wanted to grow? How many, what kinds of classes do I love to teach? Like, where do I love to teach best? And what like just fills me up and brings me joy all the time. And like, what am I saying yes to? What am I saying no to? And I think that is what has changed through the years of like, you know, where, how, I mean, and then the pandemic is a whole other story. Mm, yeah, we'll get into that too. <laughs> so yeah. that's it. So it's like a level of discernment that you're able to fine tune over the years. I totally get that too. Like when I first started same, I would just say yes to everything, which I think mm-hmm. is actually important when you're starting, because mm-hmm. the only way you're going to figure out, okay, what do, what do I like to do? What do I like to teach? Where do I like to teach mm-hmm. all that? You really have to just do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, after a while, you can get to a point of just burnout because you're just, yep. like you said, spread so thin, you're doing everything. So yeah, it sounds like you're at a place right now where you've been doing it so long, you know better what you enjoy. What right now for you? is your biggest passion in this work now that we're, we're two years into the pandemic now it's March. Yeah. So what would you say your passion is right now that really makes, makes your heart sing? All right. So this is really funny too, because this goes with like what I've learned about myself in this world, in this work that we do. Mm -hmm. So preschool has always, like I taught preschool before I taught first grade. And then I've, always been teaching the yoga in the preschools. And then it got to a point at one, at some point where I was said, I just need to find teachers to teach all my preschool classes. I'm kind of over it. And there was this moment in time where I was like, 
not wanting to teach preschool. And this one school where I've been teaching for 13 years now, and they have three centers, and I almost found a teacher to teach for me there. And it never worked out. And I kind of got through that hump. And I'm like, oh my, I like now it blows my mind that like, how did I even want to give this up? Like, I can't even imagine that I would not be teaching preschool yoga. It is, it just brings me the most joy. I just love it so yeah. much. And, I can't, and I'm still at that school and they kept me going through the pandemic. They're Regiomalia based school. So they're like outdoor learning, emergent learning, like the best possible place I could be doing the work I do. Like I could go in without a lesson plan and they're like, we're studying trucks. And I'm like, all right, it's truck yoga. Like, that's yeah. just how it is. Like, I usually have a plan in my mind of what mm -hmm. I'm going to teach. But if they have a, a theme that they're studying, I'm like, great, let's do that for yoga today. Yeah. And through the pandemic, we I taught there the entire time, except for those three months of quarantine. And I've been yeah. outside in every kind of weather because that's what that's they great. do. And, right. and I just, so the preschool, I mean, I do a, a few other things that I really love too. And the family yoga. Oh my God. But I haven't done family yoga in two years. Oh my God. Right. I know. I can't believe it's been that long um, since this all started. Well, I also am curious for you after all these years, looking back, or do you have any favorite stories of when you really see that impact of the work you're doing? Is there anything that sticks out to you? I mean, I have one, like, so, you know, I love, I also love going into the elementary schools and teaching the mindful yoga breaks curriculum. I mean, that's what I'm like, we'll talk about that, like for during the pandemic, how that's worked out, but right. Like I definitely see those glimpses there of it working, but there was one story that definitely always stands out for me. And that's in the preschool that I go into. Um, so I teach um, this, my, my mindful yoga breaks curriculum. It, I teach about the brain and the wise owl and the bulldog, you know, the prefrontal cortex and amygdala. That's what I call them. And the kids love it. I actually, here's my guys. I actually have them. So my wife, oh, so she's and, got those of you listening, there's little, little stuffies of the, the bulldog and the owl. Love it. So, um, I, that's how I teach it in the preschools too. And I do it very simple, but like the kids get it. It's very concrete for them of what's going on in their brain. And one little girl always, and I know her now she's like in fourth grade now or something, but she, always had a very hard time with transitions. So getting to yoga was very tough for her after like leaving whatever center, whatever she was doing previously. And they had a little like peace corner or whatever they called it in the classroom with my poster and the couple of like the little toys in there, you know, just like, uh, you know, mindfulness stuff. And she was in a meltdown and she looked at the poster, like the teacher guided her through like what we've talked about and what they do there and picked like which breath she wanted to do, did her breath, got herself calm and like came to yoga. Like she used all the tools that I've taught her and that the teachers follow up and teach. And you're like, it works. Yes. The more you yes. practice it, it actually works. Yes. Like she was in it and knew that she can pick a breath, do the breath she wanted to do, get herself calm. Oh my God. It just like yeah. makes me emotional just thinking about it because like when you actually see it work. Yes. And that there's two things. So the first is that the teachers were implementing what you were 
mm-hmm. we're doing, which I think is so amazing. It's even more powerful when you're in a school and then the teacher's reinforcing what you've taught. So then the kids are really understanding it. And then the second is that she applied it when she was at that state. So that's the right. whole reason we do this work and we yes. teach them and we have fun when they're in a good mood and they're in a, you know, an open headspace because then when, when inevitably we all have our meltdowns in those moments, she was able to access it exactly because she had practiced. Oh, I love that so I, I much. Mean, I it was like all of us teachers, we were all like, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <It works. laughs> right. That kind of leads to my next question, which is what has kept you going in the industry for 20 years, but even I would say, especially in the last two years during a pandemic, <laughs> when you're maybe not, well, you were teaching in person. So I was going to say maybe not having as much as the in-person interactions that could keep us going, but staying in this for so long, what do you think has kept you going? That's a great question because I've definitely had my moments of like burnout where I'm like, I have to do other things. Like I'm just so tired. At the very beginning of the pandemic, like everyone else, like I jumped on the, like, I'm going to just keep doing videos and offer videos and blah, blah. It was like remotely. And I did it for a few months when I was able to start going back to the preschools. I was like thrilled because I'm like, oh, in person, this is fantastic. And I did camps that summer too. And we were like, you know, lots of the masking and I tried the shield and we did all the things. Hmm. And then I got really fortunate. So because I've been in the same place for like 14 years, almost 15 years, I've made a lot of connections. I've had a lot, like I, everybody knows me and they know my business. And what, even in the pandemic, when it could have gone global and it did for a little bit, I decided I need to help my community. Like this is my community I'm tired. Like I was tired of all those, the being remote and zoom and all of that stuff. I'm like, I'm just staying in my own community and seeing how I can help here. And that felt like exactly true and authentic to like with the kind of person I am, like the globalness at first felt like, Oh, look at this. We can all like share our work with the whole world now. And then all of a sudden I'm like, but there's so many of us doing this in all parts of the world. We should really still focus on our own community and what we can do to help. Hmm. And so New Haven Public Schools has been like this. My my son was in the New Haven Public Schools. Now he's not, but I've been so tied to them for so all these years. That's where I started my mindful yoga breaks curriculum in the schools, doing exactly the work that I wanted to do all along, like teaching a curriculum of yoga, mindfulness, breathing in the school day. So because I've had these relationships with a lot of these schools for like the last six, seven years, I was able to form, and I was going into the schools, all these schools I've had contracts with, it's been fantastic going in. And one of the organizations called the Trauma Coalition, they got me, they, they had me do three different schools. I signed these amazing contracts where I put together this entire year long program online, like remotely it's so much work and so much setting up of like scheduling with teachers and classes and blah, blah, but like, it's so rewarding. Like I'm even today, like today was my day. I taught and I did this all last year and now I'm doing it all this year. And it's keeping me going in that, like, I'm still doing my work. I can't even believe that I can still do this work in the schools. They're like, you know, they have the technology now, you know, they can take the, their screen and I'm on the big screen in these classrooms each grade does it together. So I have like three first grade classes signing in and on Google classroom and 
here I am like teaching my 20, 25 minute lessons and then chatting with the kids after finding out what they love, what they, how they feel today was I did my superhero lesson. It was like fantastic. There's parts of it that are very exhausting, you know, teaching six classes in a row virtually is not easy. And the kids are like, when do you come in, Miss Lanny? We were like, like, I'm dying to get into these schools and see these kids in person soon, I hope, maybe. But like the fact that I can do this, like this, and then I can go into these preschools and just be with these kids, like, ah, I, I just, I just love the work. Like I feel, and I can make my own schedule and I have my, I work in the mornings and I'm free in the afternoons and I'm still doing the work I love as tiring as I did. And I can work from home. And I could be around for my son. Like everything about it is just, and I can do, I'm doing this work. Like, and I'm helping kids. I'm helping teachers. Right. Yeah. You know what I love that you said is that I feel like in in American culture, it's like, we all feel like, oh, we have to get bigger and more global and reach more people. And what you're saying about the importance of community and where mm-hmm. you actually are. And it, it's all going to depend. Every person doing this work is going to have a different vision and someone might have that more, it might feel more fulfilling to them to have that global um, mission. For example, like this podcast, I love connecting people around the world, Right. but it's yeah. like, then your own, I love what you said, like, and then look around in your community. It's kind of like that idea of um, it starts like in your family, like how you are with your family. That's really, mm-hmm. you know, where you're grounded down and how you're interacting there is important. So thank you for just reminding us of that and saying the fact that you're like, at first it was cool. And then you thought, wait, you've been doing it long enough that you kind of knew <laughs> that for you, like, no, it's more, it's here right now that yeah. I have to be. Like my community struggling. Like I right. see so many struggles right here in my schools, like where I live and like, I just need to, and, and then that helped me because, you know, we, we're all so tired. We're all living this trauma of this pandemic, even if like you aren't, you know, even if you don't have that other trauma piece, but we're all living this trauma right now and how to like step out of like, you know, we're kind of coming off of it at the end of it, but like stepping out of our house every day, we're navigating like how to be safe, how to keep our family safe. So for those people who are still living in a trauma situation who were previously filled with like had trauma going on in their lives. Now it's like up to here mm-hmm. for everybody else who like, maybe like, you know, it's, it's a low level of trauma, but still there. Like our bulldogs are at this heightened state at all times and trying to figure out like, where is my place in this work? Like I have these tools, how do I use them appropriately, but still take care of myself? Like it was like, it's a big balance because I know I have it. Like I, I have everything. Like I have a house. I have a great family. Like I have what I need. I have all my needs being met. Yet I'm still feeling this little bit of like you know that little bit of trauma of stepping outside the house and then just mm-hmm. with the politics and the, like the whole political climate mm-hmm. that we're living in and just the government, like all of it. It's just a lot. And then social media, which I've worked very mm. hard lately in the last week, like to just not be on as much, and it's really hard, but. Yes. Yeah. I definitely, I find myself when in those states of saying like social media breaks, like we need, I need to step away. And as much as it can connect us, it could also disconnect us from ourselves. I think we're too, too in it. But I am honestly, every day I'm like, should I be on TikTok? Should I be be doing videos on TikTok? Well, the pressure is real. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, no. And that is another big part of the business is like what, how to keep up 
with what everybody's doing because some people like you know your friend Lauren from Yogi Beans like her video her TikTok is fantastic like Margo from Calm Cookie like I look at all these videos and there's so many others like doing amazing stuff and I'm like and I question it and I've been questioning it for years but if I then start figuring out TikTok I'm like what's the next thing I'm gonna have to figure out Right. And I can't, and that is where I question a lot of this too. And then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stay doing my teaching in my community and be okay with that. Yeah. And you know, with Lauren, her videos are amazing and she comes from a theater background, like her Mm -hmm. background, she's an actress. So it's, you know, we all have our unique voice and it's going to lend itself to certain things that work. Right. And I think what you're saying, like the most important thing is like constantly dialing back and sitting with yourself and thinking, okay, well, what is it that, that I want to say, or what, what makes me feel good to create? Yeah. And sometimes that means just cutting off social media for a little bit. <laughs> and and saying no. And the, yes. Yeah. We know the compare and despair thing. Like I'm like, okay, stop comparing. But you know what? Like watching everybody else's videos, like I took something from you. Like I told you this and I never told you what it was. I don't think, but one of your activities you did with your adorable kids um, I loved it and I incorporated it in. So like, to me, I'll tell you what it is. It is like, I love like doing that. Like I, now it's just, I'm just using everybody else's, you know, videos yes. as like just ideas to keep me fresh. Yeah, exactly. After That's doing it. it for so long. And I'm like, I'm okay with that too. Yeah. It's nice to have that inspiration yeah. and to, oh, because right. It. To, it's, it, you have to keep it exciting for yourself with what you're teaching. So well, you did you, that ohm, like where you oh, said, had your daughter like sh- and your son, like they did ohm in a different word. Oh, yes. And, they like, chose different ohm, words. Like as a different word. And how like any word can help calm you like the sound of ohm. Like you can use any word. So I have kids do that. And it's hilarious. You're like, truck, you know, sparkle, fancy, fairy, unicorn. Like, exactly. Right? It's cute. <laughs> right. It's adorable. It makes it fun for them. Exactly. And so that I'm like, oh, okay, great. I don't need to be the one out there on TikTok anymore. Like I, I could be right. taking what I need and just staying true to myself and what I, what brings me joy. Basically. Absolutely. Well, I, I want to hear about, you have a new book, newish book. I know we were, when we had first, when you were promoting it, I was going on maternity leave, but I, yeah. so can you just tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah. So this was exciting. So I had like, I had a book that I self-published ages ago that I don't even like, I just use it as a tool. Like when I do teacher trainings and I just like, it goes like as like a little book to go with that. So that was exciting when I self-published years ago, but then a publisher came to me and asked me to do a book. And that was incredible feeling. And I, it was an incredible experience. Um, It's called yoga games for kids. It was like, they pitched three different type, three different books that could be a possibility for me to do. And then that was the one that I really wanted to do. It just like, it's, it's wonderful. And I loved the process of working with this publisher. They were so enjoyable to work with. I was able to be creative and like, they basically like have ideas of how they want you to write their book, but like they hire experts to like fill in the pieces. And I, was able to just, you know, use my creativity in such a way that I hadn't in so long. And I loved writing for them. It came, it it was, it's a beautiful book. It's called Yoga Games for Kids. It's on, you can get it on Amazon or through my website. Um, There, what was funny is the way they saw games is different than the way we as kids yoga teachers see games, because it's not really 
like yoga games. It's more like little sequences that tell the story. Okay. And, but the, you know, so it's like a little different than what we as kids yoga teachers see as games. And, and that was fine because just putting to, I, you know, we, that how we all teach is like storytelling, like you you take them on a journey. And so, and trying to, to be creative and doing that with two or three pose sequences was very challenging, but also really rewarding and fun. And I love the book. I love it. And I'm hoping to do another one. Awesome. Yeah. Everyone check it out. That's, it's so, it must've been nice to like collaborate on something within this and, oh, so and, it, and also they're, they're outside of kids yoga. So you're coming in as the expert. So they, it's kind of cool. They saw it from a different point of view. It's nice to mm-hmm. kind of get outside of ourselves sometimes and yeah. see it differently. There are, there are great publishing, publishing companies called Callisto Media. They do really beautiful books, um, great awesome. illustrations. It was just, it's just such a pleasure and a joy to be able to do something different like that. And during the pandemic, it was awesome. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, I would love, I'm um, excited to hear your kids yoga gem being in the industry <laughs> for so long through pandemics, through you've yeah. moved, you've taught all yeah. around the country. So what would be your big piece of advice for people in the kids yoga industry? Be able to be flexible, right? Because things aren't always going to go the way that you envision with everything, everything about this you know, being with kids, scheduling, like all of it, just being flexible and be authentic, be true to yourself. Um, you, like Jessica and I say, like, you want to say yes to everything, but also at some point find like what your voice is and being true to yourself and what, and stick with what brings you joy. Yes. Because there's so much out there. And I think just finding your own joy in the way that you teach. And I hope that all makes sense. Yes. Full of joy yoga. (laughs) So true. Follow the joy. Well, where can people find you? I know we talked about social media. Um, Where can people find your social media, your website, your email? Like what's the best way? Yeah. So I do have my website full of joy yoga.com. I'm on Facebook. It's full of joy yogi and Instagram is full of joy yogi. Instagram is a little combo of my own personal life and business. I didn't separate it out, but um, those are probably the main places. I also have a YouTube channel with a lot of videos on there. So a lot of stuff. I've done a lot of stuff in the past. So like lots of good stuff is on the YouTube channel and I'm going to continue. Actually, I'm creating a a video series to go with the book. So that'll be. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Lonnie, thank you so much. I'm so glad we finally connected. It was so good to talk to you. This was great. Thank you so much, Jessica. Keep doing all the amazing work you're doing too. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to support the Kids Yoga Podcast, here are a few ways you can do that. Visit www.thekidsyogapodcast.com. Here you'll see a link to my Patreon page and you will see different monthly subscriptions which will offer you added benefits. You can also contact me through the website and see all of the episodes that have been released so far. In addition, I truly appreciate those five-star reviews and ratings because it just brings so many more people to the show and it just means the world. So if you feel compelled, a rating and review, and press that subscribe button as well. So if you want to get in touch, 
shoot me an email, thekidsyogapodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow The Kids Yoga Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook. Again, thank you so much for being here.